Why don't you grab your Bibles and let's open them to John chapter 15. As we continue um, what we started last week, message entitled, Why is there so much hate? And I'm not going to spend time rehearsing that hate that I did last week with you, but um, I just want to remind you that where we find ourselves in John chapter 15 and where the disciples of Jesus found themselves was between the reassurance of divine love, heavenly promises, being blessed with all spiritual blessings, that's over here on this side that he's promising to his people, and the other promise is that you're going to be hated by the world. And uh, we're working on how do you put all that together and how do you live with that? Because we live in a world where we as Christians now, okay, we're talking to Christians, where we as Christians are supernaturally, divinely loved, and yet supernaturally, demonically hated as well at the very same time. All of this is coming in on us, where God pours out all the privileges of heaven on us while Satan is energizing the world to persecute us and to kill us and to bring down the church of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. That's the discussion that we're having, that Jesus is having with his disciples before he went to the cross. And so we're in John chapter 15, verse 18. I'm gonna go back and just review a little bit from where we are and run us up to today, okay? So John chapter 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, Jesus said, when that happens, know that it has hated me before it hated you, so don't be surprised. That's what we worked on last week. And we talked about the fact that Jesus isn't asking his followers to fix this hatred. He's asking them to live with the hatred, to deal with it. Don't be surprised. Why? Because it hated me first. And if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. And all of us took a lot of uh, you know, comfort in this truth last week. If you're not all in for Jesus, I'm sorry, if you're all in for Jesus, it's not going to be okay with everyone. That is a hard pill to swallow. So don't be surprised when the hatred comes. Acknowledge the source is what Jesus wants to say to us. In verse 19, he says, if you were of the world, remember we talked about that's the system of the world, the philosophy of the world. If you were of that system, then the people of the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of that system, because I have chosen you out of that system, therefore the people of that system, the people of the world hate you. And that's the source. We've got to acknowledge that, that haters are those people who live on this planet, who believe in its philosophy, and who despise you and me because of our allegiance to Jesus and because of our faithfulness to the cross. So, third thing we saw was adjust your expectations. Verse 20, Jesus said, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We talked about the fact that Jesus lived perfectly. He lived a perfect life, and he could not avoid the hatred that flowed out of his faithfulness to his father and faithfulness to the truth. 
And we, being imperfect, need to adjust our expectations. We need to understand and dump once and for all the myth that everything will go smoothly, that life will go well, and that everyone will like us if we just were faithful to the Lord. It's hard to understand that. Why would people not like us trying to be faithful to something? The fact is, faithfulness to Jesus will more than likely increase our unpopularity in the world. So here it is, hate can't be avoided. Verse 20, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So now we've caught up to where we ended last week, and now let's go into the next thing that Jesus wants us to understand, and that is to understand the cause of all of this hatred. What is causing the hate? What is causing the persecution, and why us? Isn't it interesting, don't, are you with me? As you try to think about what, what, are we, what are Christians trying to be in the world? We're trying to be light in the world, right? We're trying to be salt, not like, you know, in a bitter way. We're trying to be salt and that it bring out the flavor of life. We're supposed to be salt and light in this world. We're supposed to be trying to live at peace with everyone and loving everybody and sacrificing ourselves to meet the needs of people around us. We're trying to be like Jesus. Why would the world not appreciate that? Why would the world not like that and go, man, let's just idolize these kinds of people. This is what I want to be like. And I have a hard time being like this. I love it that we have people in the world like this, but that's not how it works. And so we need to understand the cause, the first thing on your notes I think I have for you is that they don't know God. That's what Jesus says first of all. Look at verse 21. All these things they're going to do to you, this is all the hatred stuff, on account of my name, here's the reason, because they do not know him who sent me. I just, can I just say this? Obviously, if they knew our God and they knew how awesome he was, they wouldn't hate his son that he sent to provide a way of salvation for us. If they knew our God, they wouldn't hate all of his children. But they hate us because they don't know God. Because they don't know God, they don't get it. They can't figure us out. And they don't get God's plan. They don't get the difference between the philosophy of the world and the philosophy of God. They don't get it at all. In fact, more accurately, let me say it this way, they can't get it. It's not just that they don't get it, they can't get it. It's outside of their grasp. I'm gonna show you 1 Corinthians 2.14 that helps us with this. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him or foolishness to them. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It's important that you and I understand that when we talk about the natural person, what we're talking about is the person outside of Christ, which we were all a natural person at one point. Okay, now we are, we are children of God when we accept Christ as our Savior and we are translated from darkness into light. We're like, when we get saved, we're born again, out of the natural into the spiritual. Okay, but you need to understand that those who are not yet saved, they don't get it because they can't get it. Their minds are like blocked. They're blind to the truth. They can't see the truth. They can't understand the truth. 
They need some help in finding the truth. They're in darkness, the scripture tells us. And so they do not understand. They don't get it. I want, to, uh, I want you to understand, because this is very critical to us understanding what's happening to us. It takes the whole thing. Jesus made it clear. He said, when you're in your sin, you're in darkness, and you can't find your way out of the light. In fact, all the righteousness you try to do is filthy and rags to God, is what the scripture says. And you're lost. And you can't come to Jesus. You can't do anything to come to Jesus. You can't be good enough to come to Jesus. You can't give enough money to come to Jesus. You can't even do enough nice things sacrificially of yourself to other people in order to come to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, has to come and open your eyes and draw your heart to the Father. You will never, an un, a nat, person in their natural state will never naturally go to God. They can't. The Spirit has to come and draw them. They have to hear the Spirit's voice. The work of the Holy Spirit is this. He comes and brings the word, however the word comes to that person, and opens their heart and opens their mind and opens their eyes to the truth so that they can see. Because without that supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, they'll never see. And if that wasn't bad enough in their natural state, listen to what 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says this. The God of this world, who's the God of this world? Satan is the God of this world. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So there's two things going on. In our natural state, we cannot see God. It's foolishness to us. The things of the spirit are foolishness to us. They don't make sense to us. We have to have some help. But Satan is at work in the world to deepen that misunderstanding or that lack of ability to understand. He is in the world blinding the eyes and stopping the ears of those in their natural state so that they'll never hear. That's his goal. That's what's happening in our world. And so that's why it takes a supernatural God. It takes a supernatural Holy Spirit. Now, you, you need to hear me, okay? Hear me loud and clear. The way that this happens is you and me. We bring the word. We bring the truth. We live the word, and we live the truth before these people who don't understand us. It's foolishness. Why are you living that way? That's stupid. That's how they are with us. That's how they think about us. But as we live it before them, and then we have opportunities and platforms to speak into them, and we actually speak the gospel, that is the Holy Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit of God will come in and will use the words that we speak, the word of truth from the word of God, and will open their eyes, and they will have these aha moments. They will be like, I never saw that before. Of course you didn't. And we need to understand the source of that, the cause of that. They don't understand. They can't. Of course you didn't understand that, but now you do. Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The Holy Spirit will open the eyes of those who are lost. And I just want to say to you, because maybe you're here today and you're just kind of searching and you don't really know the Lord. And this whole thing of church is maybe even new to you. And maybe you're online and you just jumped on with us today because you didn't know what else to do on a Sunday morning and you thought, well, I'll just jump online. And you're here and you're listening whether online or here in the, in the building, because Jesus is coming after you. Amen. 
Jesus is coming for your heart. He's coming for your soul. He wants you. He wants you to be saved. And he wants you to hear the word of truth today. And you're hearing my voice right now, but you're hearing the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you. And the Holy Spirit of God is saying, if you will humble your heart and you will submit to me and you will confess your sin before me and accept my free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, my son, who, because I loved you so much, I sent for him to die for you in your place. And all you have to do is receive that and you will be saved. That message to you is to enlighten your heart today. And the Bible is clear, if today you hear the voice of the Spirit, do not harden your heart. Open your heart to the truth. Maybe this is the first time the Holy Spirit's going to open your mind and open your heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can be saved today. I want you to be saved today. God wants you to be saved today. You can make that decision. And I think that you're here today because the Holy Spirit wants you to hear that. Yeah, they don't understand. They don't know God. They don't get it. Here's another thing. Um, They don't like guilt. Look at verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, so he's, he's the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, right? So if Jesus had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. See, Jesus came... And his righteousness exposes the darkness. His light exposes the darkness. Guilt is generated by our conscience, and our conscience is conditioned by what we know and by what we do. You know, I use this this little equation all the time in my counseling sessions with people, and it goes like this. If you do right, you will feel good. If you do wrong you will feel bad. Now, some of you might be going, no, not necessarily true. Sometimes I do wrong and I feel good. Well, the Bible even talks about that. Sin is pleasurable. Come on, finish it. For a season. You know, you, how many people go around doing everything all day long, you do everything that you hate? No, we go, <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Little kids, yes, I do. We do the things we like to do, right? I mean, sin has its, it's pleasurable. It, it, our, our flesh likes it, and that's why we do it. But if you continue in that, there are consequences you will live with. And some of us, we all know what, we're talk, what I'm talking about. We all live with those consequences, and how's it going? Not so good. Jesus says, the world hates me because I testify that its deeds are evil, John 7, 7. That's why they hate me. I'm exposing them and their hearts. Not sure I should really go here, but it's kind of like going on date night with your wife to your favorite restaurant the week she starts a diet. And the restaurant is the Cheesecake Factory. (laughs) And so the waitress or waiter comes to your table and says, do you want bread? Absolutely, I want bread. 
I don't know if you'd like Cheesecake Factory, but they've got amazing French bread. Get the white, don't get the dark. The dark stuff's weird. <laughs> but they've got amazing, amazing French bread and butter. The butter's amazing. I don't know what kind of butter it is, but it's awesome. And so those two things together are a meal all by itself. And so you're like, absolutely, but please just bring the white and make sure you have plenty of butter and you hear a little moan on the other side of the table. Oh. What, babe? We ate here last week and you were fine. You ate as much bread as I did. Go ahead. So we eat some bread for, I eat some bread for a while and then comes, the, the like, would you like to order? Yes, I'd like to order. Well, ma'am, you go first because women go first. And she says, I'll take the Thai lettuce wraps. <laughs> Which, if you've seen Cheesecake Factory's Thai lettuce wraps, it looks like they went and cut a corner out of a field somewhere and they expect you to like graze on it for a while. You know, is there any meat in there at all? It's just like a bunch of things. It's like it's really nasty stuff like roots and stuff like that all on this big platter. The platter takes up half of the, half of the table. And they turn to me and say, what were you going to order? And I'm like, the factory burrito. <laughs> and you hear, oh, mm. and I'm not enjoying this anymore. <laughs> did you see what Robin just did? Because <laughs> she knows what's coming. Do you guys want to see the dessert menu? <laughs> well, you don't go to the Cheesecake Factory to not see the dessert menu. You go to the Cheesecake Factory to eat. Cheesecake. Thank you. <laughs> Do you know why you're all laughing? Because you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we don't like guilt. And neither do those who don't know Jesus. You get it, right? Um, look, can I take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 2? Look at this passage to illustrate this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 15 says, Our lives, now that's when we live for Christ, okay? Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God our Father. Isn't that amazing? When we're living for the Lord, when we're living according to the truth, when we're living the way he wants us to live and we're faithful to him, our lives become worship, okay? What we, what we do, that's really what worship is all about. Everything we live, we live for him. And our lives become this Christ-like fragrance that goes up like an incense into the nostrils of our Father in heaven on his throne. And he's just like, that is so awesome. Can you smell the fragrance of the faithfulness of my people? But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, that is those who do not know Christ, that's who people we're talking about, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. We're the rotten raccoon that's been sitting out in the sun for four days and you walk by it and you smell that. That's what we smell like to them. Isn't that interesting? But to those who are being saved, we're a life-giving perfume. You understand, my friends, that what Jesus is saying is they don't, 
They don't understand. They don't get it. They don't know God. They don't like guilt. And here's the fourth thing I want you to see. They don't recognize authority. Verse 23, Jesus says, whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. We talked about this earlier. There's no rationale for a person rejecting the free gift of salvation. Why would anybody reject that? I've often asked that question. Why would anybody not want salvation and eternal life? What's up with that? Everybody wants that, right? Eternal life in heaven? Yes. Here's what you must understand. It takes humility to admit that you're lost and in need of saving. And what is man's basic problem? Pride. And so we have to go against what's natural to us that we live in before Christ in our pride. And we have to get low and humble ourselves and admit the fact that we're sinners. And we need a savior. And that's hard for people outside of Christ to do. There's something in the darkness of the human heart that does not want to submit to authority. We talk about it all the time in here. We talked about it last week. You know, king me. I want to put me on the throne of my life. I'm the king. I'm in charge of my life. I'm not a puppet. A puppet. I will do whatever I want to do. I will live my life however I want to live my life. And no one is going to tell me otherwise, right? That's what we're all about. It's like this poem from William Ernest Henley. And the poem is entitled Invictus. And Invictus is Latin for unconquerable. And he's going to talk about his soul in this poem. Don't go there yet, guys, because I want to talk about it. Just don't go, don't go there yet. Don't go there yet. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> What's interesting is that I'm going to read this to you, and you're going to hear it. And I'm going to read it the way that they read it out there in the world, okay? The unsaved people, the natural man. But they celebrate this. Something inside of us before Christ We want to be in control of everything, in control of our very lives and our destiny. And we think somehow we're going to be okay and we're going to work it out. But they're so deceived. Satan has deceived their minds. You know what I read this week? Those who are deceived don't know that they're deceived. Do you know why? Because they're deceived. And so all these people that we live with that don't understand God and don't understand his ways and don't have a clue why you would ever live your life that way, can you find a heart of compassion for them? Because they're deceived and Satan is deceiving them and he's blocking them. And their own hearts are blocking them. Our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all things. And so they're completely deceived, and they don't know they're being deceived. They need help, and they need 
us because this is what they think about themselves. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I'm going to stop and not finish it right there, but listen. Are you listening to that? It doesn't matter that there is a book of truth out there. It doesn't matter that there is life out there that someone is challenging me with. It doesn't matter that there is a law of God out there that that says that there's judgment coming for those who do not believe. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. You know what you can write across that poem? What God writes across that poem? Fool. The scripture says, it is the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. God is not on the throne of anything. I'm on the throne. I'm in control of my fate. I'm in control of my soul. From this heart will come a hatred towards anyone and anything that suggests submission or servitude for them. It is only the fool who will not recognize that the Lord is seated on his throne in his holy temple and that he and he alone rules from heaven. The Bible says that God watches everyone closely and is examining every person's heart on the earth. Listen, people of the earth, listen to the truth. Jesus is the master. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the conqueror of all men's souls. The ruler of the darkness isn't happy about that. He hates God. He hates Christ. He hates the Holy Spirit. He hates the church of Jesus. He hates believers, and he hates the truth. And 1 Peter 5.8 says that he is going about as a roaring lion, seeking those whom he may devour, because he hates you. He hates righteousness. He hates anything that has anything to do with God. 2 Timothy 3.12 says that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. They're going to hate you. Jesus said it. But look at verse 26 of John 15. But when the helper comes, wait, what? What? There's help coming? You betcha. And I'm going to give you this last thing that we're supposed to do in light of this hate message. And you who knew this was coming, Jesus wants you to know this. Keep on witnessing. That's our response to all the hatred. Keep on witnessing. Turn it up. Turn it loose. Shout it out. Look at verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Here's the message. No matter what happens, fly the flag of the gospel. 
No matter how hard, lift high the Savior. Be like Paul when he writes in Ephesians 6, 19, pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Anyone want to take a guess as to where Paul was when he wrote the book of Ephesians? In a Roman prison, it's exactly right for his faith in Jesus Christ and for boldly speaking. And his prayer that he asked, and he petitions from all the churches out there and the church at Ephesus is, while I'm here in prison, ask God to give me boldness so that I may witness and proclaim him even stronger here in prison. He didn't take his prison experience to sit and sulk somewhere in a cell and just lick his wounds and say, what's wrong with this world? Why do they hate me so much? Why am I in here? No, no, he's soliciting the prayers of God's people to say, help God to give me boldness so I can speak even louder now that I'm in prison. Verse one of chapter 16 of John he says, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. There are too many people. It is very tempting when life does not go the way that you think it should or the way that you hoped it would to just give up and to fall away. And there are way too many Christians that are falling away because life's thrown a bl them a blow or the world has hated them at a point where they can't take it anymore. It's a huge mistake. And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you all this during peacetime so that you will not fall away when it comes. I don't want you to be caught off guard. I don't want you to get caught in a trap. I don't want you to walk into something and all of a sudden, that's the first time you've heard about it, I want to tell you about it right now. Look at verse 2. They will put you out of the synagogues. Let me read that again. They will put you out of the synagogues. Are you hearing that? Do you think this message is just for the disciples? Pastor John, we can trust you. Is this written to us too? Now, it's in the context, Jesus knew that the way that they went and, and witnessed, and they were going to witness, they would go to a city, and the first place they would go is to the Jewish synagogue and they would begin to teach there first because they had a semblance of who God was at least. They didn't, they crucified their son, but they would go to the synagogues and so he's warning them, they're gonna put you out of the synagogues, but I want you to hear something, my friends. When you translate that into today and this whole hate message of today, they're going to put you out of the synagogue. The day is coming where they're going to try and stop this from happening. And they're gonna make a massive run on the church. It's happening everywhere else. It's just not happening here. This COVID experience, they still can't meet in many places around the world. They're coming. They're coming for the church. Indeed, the hour was, is coming when whoever kills you 
will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. So what's he saying? They're going to kill you. They're gonna put you out of the church and then they're coming to kill you. Are you okay with me saying that? I'm not, I'm not trying to be an alarmist. But I need to ring the alarm. They hate, they're going to hate you because they hated me. Well, they killed me too. The end result of the hate is death, is murder. That is the, what happens at the end of hatred is murder. What he's saying is you're going to become martyrs for my name. Hang on. Do you know what the word martyr means? Witness. They're going to kick you out of the synagogues. They're going to kill you. And you will be a witness for me. That's the end result of hate is murder. The end result of hatred towards a Christian is a witness. How awesome is that? And you're you're going, not so much, Phil. (laughs) Not so much, but did you know that the that the disciples that he's speaking to here, Peter, James, and Andrew were crucified. Tradition tells us and writings tell us that Peter refused to be crucified like Jesus and so he made them crucify him upside down. Bartholomew was whipped and then crucified. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded. Mark was dragged through the streets until he died. Stephen, James, the half-brother of Jesus, and Philip were stoned. Matthew, Simon, Thaddeus, and Timothy were all martyred, and Paul had his head chopped off. All for Jesus. Did Jesus know what he was talking about? Clement of Rome, who lived in those times, he wrote this about those times. Through jealousy and envy, the greatest and most righteous pillars have been persecuted and put to death. Does that shock you, my friends? You know what Jesus' message is? Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. It's coming. It's exactly what I said would happen. The shocking thing is that the people in America have lived for several generations escaping this kind of violent persecution. And I praise the Lord for that, but that is not true in every other place of the world. The hour is coming, Jesus said, when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. What? Does that shock you? Did you know that throughout all time, people have been killing Christians and have done it in the name of their God? Did you know that? It all started in Jerusalem. In the early church, 
the early persecutors of Christians were Jews, and they did it in the name of Jehovah, the same God we serve, the God that they rejected his son and killed his son, did not have the proper view of that God, and in the name of Jehovah, they were killing the new Christians in Jerusalem. The next wave came from the Romans in the name of their multiplicity of gods and in the name of Caesar. And under Caesar, the, the rules of the Caesars, many Christians suffered and were killed and martyred. In the Middle Ages, the persecution came from the Roman Catholic Church. There's a shock. Who had created their own religious system and between the year 606 AD and the 1800s, this, the history tells us that they put to death as many as 50 million what they deemed as heretics, these are Christians, Christ followers, because they would not convert to the Roman Catholic Church and submit to the Roman Catholic teaching. In modern times, our time today, the persecutors are those who follow Islam. They're doing the service and killing Christians everywhere for their God. Well, they're doing the service of their God and Father, Satan, who disguises himself as an angel of light working in false religions. Even Paul himself said when he was, of, of when he was Saul, said of himself, you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers on this false religion he was going after and killing Christians and persecuting all the believers he could find until God got a hold of his life. Here's Jesus' heart in all this as I kind of bring it to a close, okay? Um, Jesus is like, the world will be your enemy, but I will be your friend. The world will persecute and hate you and abuse you and even kill you, but I will supply all your needs, I will answer all your prayers, and I will give you everlasting life if they take your your earthly life. The world will give you trouble, but I will give you peace. The world will bring you sadness, but I will give you joy unspeakable that will be full of glory. The world will be under the power of Satan, but you, you will be under the power of my Holy Spirit. My friends, the journey with Christ, um, it's an awesome road with some amazing, breathtaking vistas along the way, but it's not easy. It's pretty hard. But let me remind you, in him, in Christ, we win. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. Now, what's interesting is it does not say there won't be any weapons fashioned against you. There's gonna be many weapons fashioned against us, but the, the, 
The promise is, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This, my friends, hear me, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. In him we win, and in him, in Jesus Christ, we are victorious. Romans 16, 20, write this down, go home, underline it in your Bible, circle the word soon. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Listen to me. This life is racing by and is just a mist. It's just a vapor compared to the glory that is ahead of you. But you can hang on. You can wait for the Lord. You can get through it. His strength will provide all that you need to get through whatever the hardship is. Don't give up and don't give in. Awesome things are happening right now through your circumstances, whether you see it or not. He is at work for your good. You can wait for it. You can submit to the process. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes and he will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives of the hearts. Wait for it, my friends. But in the meantime, draw strength from these words. You are loved by God. Romans 8, 31, he is for you. And if he is for you, who or what can be against you? What's the answer? Okay, come on. Get a little more excited about that. If God is for us, who or what can be against us? Nothing. Shout it out. I am, and I got a microphone. Nothing. Let it come. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We're safe in his hands. We're secure in his hands. His eyes are always on us. He knows your beginning and the end. He's planned out all your days. He knows who will hate you and who will despise you. But he doesn't worry about that because you are deeply loved by him. Your identity is in him. Satan may come to kill, steal, and destroy He may send his minions to destroy your reputation, to steal your job, to burn down your home, to rob you of your health, to kill your children, but you you do not have to fall away in all of that. You don't have to despair. You don't have to give depressed. And you certainly don't need to give up. It's quite the opposite. You're going to put your trust in God. You're going to entrust your soul to your faithful creator. You're going to write some blogs out of all that. You're going to write a devotional book. You're going to write a song, and you're going to put on a concert for the glory of God because he is in control, and he's got it all figured out, and he's working his perfect plan through your circumstances. So get up on the highest hill, pull out your sword, the sword of the Spirit, And cry out, this is so cheesy, but I'm going to do it. Cry out like William Wallace with the loudest voice you have. You may take my house. You may take my health. You may take my wealth. You may take my family. You may even take my life, but you will never take my freedom in Jesus Christ. You will never take my soul. I've already been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's sealed by the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing you can do to me, Satan. So get out of here and get out of my life. You have no power here. 
I don't belong to you. I'm a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and Jehovah is his name. He is the first and the last, the beginning of the end, the great I am, and I am his child. You have no jurisdiction here. You have no power here. And my God is a good, good father. He's promised to be good. He always will be good. He's always been good, and he proved it when he sent his son, Jesus. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Stand with me. Come on, sing it with me if you can. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. You hear us, Lord? I just have to say we're weak. And without your strength, we're toast. We cannot live this life. We cannot live this faithfulness to you without your Holy Spirit's help, and so we're thankful. We're thankful for your faithfulness. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful for the help. When the helper comes, you said, we will be able to witness for you. Would you just help us with that? Some of my brothers and sisters here hearing my voice right now, they're desperate for your help, Lord. They're desperate for a resurrection in their life. They're desperate for your Holy Spirit to come and strengthen them and to hold them up because they feel like giving up. I pray that you will do that work today for them. There are those that need to humble themselves and accept your gift of salvation. Would you visit them in a special way today? And I just want to say, just stop the prayer right here and just say, if that is you, would you please come to the front after the service and let us help you find salvation in Jesus Christ? We want to help you with that. If you're online, you could just click on a button right now and our prayer team will be right there to help you. Don't leave today without Jesus. But Lord, I just want to pray for all the churches in this area. I just want to pray because there is an attack, Lord, that's happening in these churches right now that's trying to divide us and trying to drive wedges of bitterness and disappointment and shame. I just, Lord, would you just work against all of that and help us to do our part to maintain the unity in your body and the peace in your body. Be with pastors and elder teams and 
leaders of these churches in our area to strengthen. We need to be as strong as we can to face what is coming to us. And we're going to need your boldness, supernatural boldness that comes from the power that is at work within us to stand strong no matter what comes our way, no matter how strong the hate, that we will stand for you. Some of us are going to need to stand this afternoon. Give us the strength and the boldness to do it. In Jesus' name and for your glory, I pray. Amen. God bless you, my friends, as you go. Let's go in the strength and power of the Lord. Encourage each other on the way out. And if you need help in any way, our prayer team's down here to help you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for our worship service online today. Our hope is that the worship and teaching has stirred your affections for Jesus Christ and has inspired you to love God, love others, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or if you just want prayer with somebody, would you click on our connection card link and there you can find the help that you need. Also, we encourage you, if you haven't already, download our church app from the App Store today so that you can connect with us in that way and the many different tools that it offers. As always, our website offers a host of opportunities and resources for you, and you can find that at fbcalcar.org. Hey, thank you again for joining us today. We'll see you right back here next week. See ya.